It all started with a $10,000 investment in a flour mill by a 27-year-old man named Charles A. Pillsbury way back in 1869. Over the next 133 years, that $10,000 would turn into over $10.5 billion. Now that may not seem like a lot of money over that period of time, but think of it this way. If I were to pay you $10.5 billion over a period of 133 years, I would have to pay you almost $79 million a year. Every year. Sound a little more impressive now? I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, and this is the brief history of Pillsbury. Only three years after his initial investment into a small flour mill, Charles A. Pillsbury had implemented improvements in the milling machinery that allowed his mill to be more productive than his competitors. This led him to buying two more mills in those first three years and producing over 2,000 barrels of flour a day, which was a big deal for the time. Other mills were producing around 250 barrels per day. That year, 1872, the company C.A. Pillsbury & Co. was born. By the 1880s, Pillsbury had bought an additional six mills and upgraded their technology, which had tripled their production. By the end of the 1880s, Pillsbury had been weakened by mill fires and was eventually bought by an English financial syndicate. This English group also bought a bunch of Pillsbury's competitors and made Charles Pillsbury the head of this new company, which was called Pillsbury Washburn Flour Mills Co. By 1886, they were producing over 10,000 barrels of flour per day, which would make them the world's largest milling company. By the 1920s, the company had gone through a period of hardship, which was common for the time, but under the leadership of Charles Pillsbury's son, Charles Pillsbury, the company was restructured and bought back from the British Holding Company. In 1923, the company was rebranded as the Pillsbury Flour Mills Co. By 1951, the third generation of Pillsbury men was running the company. And they'd grown since the 1920s, creating more convenience products, buying smaller companies, and focusing on kitchen staples. In 1951, they bought Ballard and Ballard, which came with a line of refrigerated foods, and this would lead Pillsbury into one of its most profitable and enduring sectors. By the end of the 1950s, Pillsbury had purchased flour mills in South, Africa, South America, uh, Southeast Asia, Africa, and Canada, over the next few years, they would also start buying companies in France, Germany, and Australia. By the 1960s, they had even jumped out of food and bought a company that made household cleaners. By the end of the 1960s, the company's portfolio expanded to multiple sectors. They had bought Burger King in 1967, which brought them into the fast food market and the restaurant industry. They also owned interests in a publishing company, a computer company, and multiple other industries. But the 1970s brought with it a new CEO, William H. Spoor, focused on bringing the company back to what it knew. He dumped all the non-food-related businesses. Over the next two decades, Pillsbury would buy Totino's Finer Foods, Green Giants, Steak and Ale full-service restaurants, Haagen-Dazs ice cream, uh, and the company behind Chicken of the Sea Tuna. In 1984, Spoor retired, which marked a period of change and decline for the company. By 89, the company had seen profits fall for the first time in 16 years. Uh, and that year, the company was taken over by a British distillery company named Graham Metropolitan for $5.75 billion. Graham Met, as the company was called, restructured the company, cut over 3,500 jobs, 
and $150 million in expenses. By the next year, their profits were up 36%. Now, over the course of the 1990s, Pillsbury started to move away from commodity products like flour, which had been selling for over 100 years. They also sold off all of their restaurant brands and moved heavily towards convenience products. They started buying brands with a focus on bread production for the commercial industry. The 90s also saw a big change for Grand Met, uh, Pillsbury's parent company, which led them to sell Pillsbury in 2000 to General Mills, which had long been Pillsbury's biggest competitor in a deal worth $10.5 billion. Today, Pillsbury is still one of the grocery store's most popular brands. Along with their parent company, they have well over 150 products on the shelves of any given supermarket. Not bad for a company that's 133 years old, and that started with a $10,000 investment. And that's really all I have time to cover today, but I highly recommend checking out uh, the history of Pillsbury because there's so much more to it. There's so much more that I wanted to cover, but that's just way too complicated to get into all the companies that they've bought and sold over the course of, of their history. Uh, it's actually really, really interesting. Um, oh, and for anybody that's wondering, their mascot, whose name is uh, Poppin' Fresh, is his name. He has a whole family. Uh, he was introduced in 1965 just as a little side fact. Anyway, I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and Five. And of course, this has been the brief history of Pillsbury. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. I was fascinated by it. I really enjoyed researching it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. And of course, you can follow the podcast. Um, and I would suggest that you follow me on Facebook where every Monday night at 6 p.m. Atlantic time, I do a free live cooking show. It's usually uh, usually about an hour long. You can tune in, you can talk to me, you can cook along, whatever you want to do. And again, that's facebook.com forward slash Ben Kelly Cooks. That's every Monday night. Um, that's it. That's all I got for today. I hope you have a fantastic Thursday. I'll be back tomorrow with another great episode of Food and 5. I'll see you then. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.